Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Hey there to all my Gen Xers out there. Welcome to another episode of this crazy podcast, The Gonzo Chronicles. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You know, I kind of wanted to, uh, I don't know, I wanted to talk a little bit about nostalgia. You know, one of my favorite things about social media, even though I don't really have a lot of favorite things, is just uh, how fun it is to kind of go down memory lane, especially when you see some of your old friends posting old pictures when you were teenagers, having a great time. You know, that coming of age, those those years that were really, really fun and really, really important and still to this day linger. Well, you know, I started to think, let's uh, I've been getting a few requests to do some shows on the eighties. You know, let's go back to our generation. Let's talk a little bit about the Gen X and growing up. How old were you in nineteen eighty seven? I was thirteen years old. Turned 13 on June 11th. And I thought, you know what? Let's let's talk about that year, 1987. There were so many fun things. One of the things I really enjoyed was uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System came out. And I sucked at video games. And I had some friends that were just really gangbusters, great at these things. I was terrible. And I was probably terrible because I like games like The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> um not exactly a high octane, you know, blow stuff up, uh, exciting game. I liked it. It was cerebral, you know. Um, but did you know that in 1987, the two biggest um, top selling games for home video systems uh, was The Legend of Zelda and Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I used to play Punch Out at the arcade. This is, I'd go in and I'd pump in quarters before I would go into the movie theater. And I would, I would get past the first guy. What's his name? Joe, like joking Joe or whatever his name was. I'd beat the piss out of that guy. And then, you know, you come up against the next guy. But it was a third guy I could seldom ever get past. And then by then it was time to go into the movie anyway. But I thought, man, how cool is it? And I often wonder, like people across the pond in Britain, I know we have a, handful of people who have listened from over there uh what what were some of their favorite games because you know they weren't sure it wasn't mike tyson's punch out but i looked it up and they in in 1987 some of the best-selling games were outrun which was the top-selling game of the year i think uh renegade which i remember that game i really liked that game that was over here in the states too 
Uh, Milk Race, I'd never heard of that. BMX Simulator, I had heard of. Uh, and Feud, uh, that was uh, that was apparently a, a big game over there. Um, the player takes on the role of Sorcerer Lyric, cursed with aging, and must fight his evil twin, Leonoric, before his time runs out. I don't know, never heard of it. Sounds kind of fun. But yeah, um, those are the top-selling games in 1987. Um, now, I guess globally, Japan had a lot of top-selling games. Uh, they were really big in the video game in the 80s. In fact, we couldn't wait to see what next came out of Japan so that we could rip it off over here and have the American version. But um, 1987, great year. Great year. So let's take a little bit, let's, let's take a step back and see, like, what happened in 87? What kind of fads were going on at the time? What kind of, uh, what songs were big? What movies were big? Um, I remember some of the best, some of my favorite movies uh, from that decade came out of that year. But did you know 1987 was the famous year, and this happened on June 12th, I want to say. Let me find it here. Yeah, actually, June 12th. One of the most iconic moments in world history. We were at the height, like you know, the peak of the Cold War, and our great president Ronald Wilson Reagan. I actually have a picture of this guy on my wall in my office. I'm not going to kid you. He walks up to the Brandenburg Gate to give a famous speech, right in front of the wall, the Berlin Wall, and he challenges Mikhail Gorbachev, "Tear down this wall." Two years later, that wall came down because people in the East and the West had had enough and the Soviet Union was collapsing. That's amazing. It's an amazing point in history. That happened in 1987. Also, a lot of uh, freaking plane crashes happened in 87. And it really kind of freaked out the uh, airline industry. I'm just kind of scrolling through this list of things that, that happened in 87. This is, this is worldwide. Black Monday happened on 87. Uh, on October 19th, the Dow Jones fell by 22%. Now, back then, that was only 508 points. Today, it swings 508 points. Nobody gives a crap. But back then, that's a big deal, 22%. Just absolutely nuts. Um, I'm trying to see what else interesting happened that year. I, I remember reading through a few of these things. And uh, I thought, well, that, that, that's pretty cool. But there, there's a lot of things that happened globally that I don't think really applies to a lot of the people that listen here that would remember. So I'm just kind of picking and choosing which ones to uh, talk about. So, yeah, let's... Oh, here's one. Klaus Barbie goes on trial uh, in Lyon for war crimes committed during World War II. Yeah, they... Uh, the Nazi guy. Yeah, he was, I remember that. Um, actually, there was another really interesting person that got picked up. Ah, one of the funnest things from 87. I, I totally forgot this. Do you remember the Tracy Ullman show? Well, on April 19th, 1987, The Simpsons premieres as a short cartoon on the Tracy Ullman show. And everybody loved The Simpsons and the rest is history. That was really, really cool. Uh, by the way, Jim Baker of uh, the PTL Club had to resign because of a sex scandal. I think we all remember that one. Uh, the Iran-Contra affair was in full swing. 
Oh, yeah, and the Unabomber struck. Yeah, he blew up a computer store in Salt Lake City. Yeah, what a savage. And it took them a long time to find that guy. But I'm glad they did. Also, the trial of uh, John Demjenjuk, who was accused of being a Nazi. Uh, he was a guard. They called him Ivan the Terrible in the uh, Treblinka extermination camps. His trial started in Jerusalem on February 16th, 1987. A lot of things happened. 87, what a, what a fun year. However, there were some really interesting things I noticed when I started looking at top grossing movies. So I'll ask you to think about this right now. Let me take a sip. I'm up way too early with nostalgia. It's 8.30 in the morning, Sunday, February 20th. So let me ask you this. Let's adjust the microphone here to get a little closer so you can hear a little better. 1987, without looking it up, can you name the top movie of that year? Top grossing movie. It sold almost 40 million tickets, grossed over $153 million. That's a big, big movie. But I started looking, I pulled up uh, the numbers.com and started looking at the top grossing movies from 87. And I'm only going to go over the top 20 uh, on this show. But as I'm scrolling through the list, I mean, there are some good movies that were on here that were way down the list. All right, I'm going to start with one that caught my eye immediately. The number 149th top grossing movie in 1987, Top Gun. I think you're thinking, Top Gun? That was like a top movie, man. How did, how did that not... How, no. See, that's what I thought. Like, how in the hell is that down at 149? But Top Gun, what came out in May of of uh, 86, came out May 16th of 1986. In other words, that thing stayed in the movie theater and dominated the entire year of 86. Lingered just long enough before the uh, theatrical run wrapped up at the very end of January of 87 that it's still registered <laughs> in the, in the uh, top grossing movie list of the year um, that, that that should tell you just how big that freaking movie was um, I was a little well good morning Vietnam I noticed like how did how is that 152 that didn't come out till December 23rd of 87 and believe it or not with so much I don't know, vulgarity in that movie. Um, that was actually a Walt Disney production. I did not know that. Um, but that was a big movie in 88 because it came out so late in 87. Um, but there were some movies I thought would have been a little higher on the list. Peggy Sue Got Married. We've all heard of that one. That came in at number 162. That came out in October of uh, 86. So it had a little bit more of a run in 87. So I was surprised it wasn't a little higher on the list. Um, just kind of Ruskies. Yeah, that was a kid-friendly movie. And that came out in November. But that was 185 on the list. Which uh, Now here is one that disappointed me. This is one of my favorite movies. John Ritter is one of my favorite actors. And he was in a movie called Skin Deep. That's not the one I'm talking about here. But Skin Deep is absolutely hilarious. Go find that movie and watch it. Great 80s film. 
but John Ritter was in a movie called Real Men with uh, Jim Belushi. No, not John Belushi from Saturday Night Live, but his brother Jim. That movie was hilarious. It came out in September of 87. And that registered at 196. To this day, that's still I still crack up watching that movie. So I'm kind of surprised that, that it did so piss poorly. But, you know, is what it is. Um, here was another one that really surprised me. This had some Brat Pack people in it, right? So, um, Wisdom. This was uh, came out December thirty first, eighty six. So it got its run in early, you know, all through uh, eighty seven. That was a really great movie. Comes in at one hundred thirty eight. The Monster Squad came out August of eighty seven. We've all seen the Monster Squad. If you're a Gen Xer, and you don't know where the the line Wolfman's got nards comes from, you might lose your Gen X status. I don't know. The Monster Squad, great film. I was really surprised that came at 136. Didn't even really register. Um, so let's let's just uh, scroll through here. Some of the others that stuck out. Evil Dead Part 2, 117. Like, I like it. You know, I like the Evil Dead series. But how in the world did that get at 117? Witchboard, which I thought was really great, came in at 114. And some of the others, it came much lower. It's, it... Um, you think they would have more commercial success. Uh, the Color of Money was another great film that got to run through 1987, even though it was released in 86. But let's go to the top 20. And there were so many great movies. I, I should probably go back and do my own top 20 list of 87 movies. Because Baby Boom did not make it in the top 20. Ernest Goes to Camp did not make it in the top 20. Revenge of the Nerds 2 and Hoosiers were not in the top 20. Inner Space, which was freaking hilarious, was not in the top 20. One of my favorites from 87 was The Golden Child, was not in the top 20. Now, again, some of these were released in 86, but they carried over into 87 to make the list of top grossing. So, um, Police Academy 4, that was, that was pretty funny. Harry and the Hen the Princess Bride. That came out in September of 87. That only got to 36. Here's an iconic movie from the 80s. Can't Buy Me Love. Came out July August 14th. And that is at number 35. Now in July of 87, The Lost Boys came out. One of the best movies that come out of that decade. Only hit 34 that year on the list of top grossing films. Uh, only a, you know, only one step behind Wall Street came in at 33. Um, so Summer School, that was that was a big one. Uh, that was a good movie. Um, like Father, Like Son, I remember seeing that one in the in the movie theater too. And uh, see Mannequin and Spaceballs comes in at 24. Mannequin at 25. Eddie Murphy Raw at 26. But let's go back. Let's go to top 20. Um. Number 20, top grossing movie from 1987, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I could watch any one of those Elm Street movies. And they got really cheesy after the third one uh, and like a little bit more comedic, but um, I could still watch them. Great stuff. Full Metal Jacket comes in at 19. That brought in over $45 million. That was released on June 26, 1987. 
Uh, you have to throw some Disney ones in here, too. Got to give the kids something to watch. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves came out. Um, it, uh, actually, it was released in 75, but they re-released it in 1987. And that came in at 17. The Living Daylights. That was a James Bond movie. That was the first time they had a new uh, new James Bond. I forget his name right now. That came in at 16. Uh, another Disney film, Outrageous Fortune, came in at 15. Now, RoboCop came in at 14. Now, that came out in July of 87. That was a big summer blockbuster. Now, I remember that being at the theater. However, I remember going to see it. It was a rated R film. I was 13, but... You can always find some older older folks there, teenagers. They're barely 18. They're still in high school or whatever. They'd buy your ticket um, just to get you off their ass or so they could go out with your sister. <laughs> but it's always easy to find a way to get somebody to get, a, get you a ticket. But I remember sitting in RoboCop and thinking, hey, didn't we already see this with the Terminator? So I really wasn't into RoboCop. But nonetheless, it comes in at number 14 that year, $53 million. Uh, La Bamba, that was a really good one. Uh, that came in uh, at 13. All right, ladies, here's the power of your dollar, especially back in the 80s. Eight, 80s for the ladies. Now, who said that? Was that Tone Loke? This is the 80s. I'm down with the ladies. Dirty Dancing comes in at number 12. That was released on August 21st, 1987. Brought in almost $56 million. That's a big haul. That's still an iconic, a classic movie to this day. That's the power of your dollar. You put Dirty Dancing, which no dude wanted to see, that high up. <laughs> Number 11. This was a funny movie. Kind of, eh, not what not one of my favorites, but funny. Dragnet. That actually had Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd in it. And I thought that was really, really good. Um, Predator. Predator is a great movie. I, I mean, it's one of those, you know, I'll, I'll probably want watch it if I see it on TV maybe once a year. The Witches of Eastwick comes in at number nine. And one of my favorites comes in at number eight, and then we'll change topics here. We'll get back to the rest of them here in a bit. Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Does, I mean, does it get any better than freaking Lethal Weapon? I loved that freaking movie. That's one of those guilty pleasure movies for me. If that movie is on, I'm going to stop and watch it. I don't care what channel it's on, whether it's on HBO or something where you get like the unedited version or the one on TBS where they edit out all the cussing. I'm going to sit and watch that movie anyway. Um, it never gets old. And uh, neither did any of them really in that series. I thought they were amazing. But coming in at number eight, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover with Lethal Weapon. What a, what a great movie. Now, the, all, one of the things that really I remember so much about the 80s, I wrote a book, actually. It's called, uh, the the uh, what was it called? I didn't call it The Big 80s. Um, I'll have to put a link up on the uh, Gonzo Chronicles page. Um, called Oh, no, I think it's called The Ultimate 80s. So I talked about music, movies, fads, and fashions. And I went year by year. And it was a, it was, it's more like, it reads more like a trivia book. So if you're ever playing like 80s trivia, get this book. You'll probably love it. But some of the things that were so big back then were like the Walkman. Remember those? That was the only time I could like listen to the Fat Boys 
on my way to church with those headphones on and not get in trouble for the lyrics. Because nobody could hear them but me. Cabbage Patch Kids were really huge back in the 80s, too. I think those come out probably in the mid-80s, like 83, 84, somewhere around through there. Um, but they were really, really popular. Now, I have two older sisters. They weren't into them. <laughs> That's totally fine. Now, I had one sister, Tammy, who was totally into the strawberry shortcake stuff. Probably still is, for all I know. We all had a Rubik's Cube. That was probably one of my favorite toys of the 80s. And if you're a guy, well, even girls, but guys had swatches. And high school kids, when you had a girlfriend, they always either got to wear your your jacket if you lettered in something, or you let, let your girl wear your class ring. Well, if you were in middle school, if you were 13, <laughs> you let your girlfriend wear your swatch. <laughs> I remember a skinny little girl named Bridget. I cannot think of her last name. Uh, and who knows whatever happened to that girl. But she wore my swatch. I don't even know if I ever got that back. Had a nice little blue uh, a band to it. Anyway, those were those are cool watches back in the day. Couldn't go wrong with rock star hair. And let me tell you, if you were a metal band, you had to have like you had to have hair that looked like a hot chick. Like seriously. What was with the big hair of the eighties? But nonetheless, women accessorized, and I don't mean with an ACC, I mean an EXC, accessorized. And I probably spelled that wrong, sorry. MTV came out in 81. And that was a staple through the entire 80s. And what was with all the Valley Girls speak? Remember that movie? I don't I don't know um, where it ranked in, uh, in the line when it came out, but um, Valley Girls speak was really big. Even here in, like, rural America, you would hear Valley Girl speak at my little at my school here in the middle of uh, Central Appalachia. It is absolutely crazy. Um, but you know, yo-yos became the fad again. Everyone had to go to the arcade. Um, mullets, unfortunately, made a comeback. I mean, they, they carried on through the seventies, I guess. And uh, you know, I guess what you call them, hockey player haircuts, something like that. Jelly shoes. Oh, my God, I hated that fad. Uh, I don't know why every girl had to have a pair of jelly shoes. I'm sure it did nothing for your posture or your knees. But, um, I don't know. Everyone had them. Leg warmers. Back in the 80s, I thought that was just sexy as hell. But now, it's just not so much. Everybody had to have a hacky sack. Oh, and if you're a guy... You had to have a picture, of the bikini picture of Heather Thomas from The Fall Guy on your wall. Heather Thomas, that was her name. Not to be confused with when Tommy Lee started dating Heather Locklear and thought Heather Locklear was the girl on The Fall Guy poster. He was wrong. Not the wrong Heather. That's okay. That's all history now, too. Ah, the 80s. But the huge hair. And if you were a girl, I'm, I'm sure you had the Corys on your wall. You had to. Um, so, you know, those are some really interesting 80s fads. Like just covering your walls up with posters and, you know, the jelly shoes. Any, I don't know. There's just so many fads out there. Um, what was the fashion fad with the uh, shoulder pads? Those, those, came, those came roaring in, into the 80s. Uh, anybody who's seen Working Girl um, in that movie with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, 
shoulder pads were all the rage, and so were the Miami Vice clothes. Everybody had to dress like Crockett and Tubbs. I didn't get that. No, I lied. I got that. I had my little white jacket, my little blue jacket, looked like Tubbs, looked like Crockett. That was one of my favorite shows from the 80s. I didn't find any, I didn't look up the top 10 TV shows of 87, but we'll do that another time. But let's go back to the um, Billboard Top 100. And I'm going to do, let's do the, let's do the first 20. Let's go from 100 down to 80. And I'll try not to drag this on too long, but man, all these songs stick in my head. I have so much nostalgia. Um, Love You Down by Ready for the World came in at 100. I, I don't recall hearing that song. Some of these on the bottom end of this I don't recall hearing. Um, some I do. Funky Town, even though that came out by uh, Lips Incorporated in uh, 79. It was a big hit in 1980. Pseudo Echo redid it. And um, that, was a, that was an Australian new wave band, if you guys remember them. But they redid Funky Town in 87. One of the best songs of the decade. You got to fight for your right to party. 98, Beastie Boys. Cutting Crew came in at 97 with I've Been In Love Before. Kenny Loggins came in at 96 with Meet Me Halfway. And that came from the soundtrack of Over the Top. You guys remember that uh, Sylvester Stallone movie? He was um, arm wrestling. That's what he was doing. Lionel Richie came in with Ballerina Girl in 95. Breakfast Club came in with Right on Track at 94. I don't recall that song. Uh, Huey Lewis on the News at 93 with Doing It Off My Baby. I want to skip some of these, actually, because I'm not going to read through 100 songs. Um, Heart came in at 88 with Who, Who Will You Run To. Believe it or not, Bruce Willis, the actor, actually had a hit on the top 100 for 87 called Respect Yourself. Yeah, he was a, he'd always break out the harmonica and play the blues. Um, but actually, he had a hit, believe it or not. Um, let's see, Brian Adams had Heat of the Night at number 84, Something So Strong by Crowded House, and one of my favorite songs of 87, Midnight Blue by Lou Graham came in at 82, and uh, do you remember the um, the jazz guy, he's a trumpeter from the 60s, he had this um, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass Band, right, well actually Herb Alpert, Herb Alpert came uh, in 78 or 79 with a version of diamonds. That was, that was amazing in 87. Um, so I, I, that's pretty interesting. Big time by Peter Gabriel was number 75 and Bon Jovi number 74 with one and dead or alive. I thought that song would actually be much higher on the list, but it wasn't. Um, coming in at, uh, 68, Genesis, Tonight, 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 and one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, if you recall, a little while back, I did uh, top 20 greatest songs of all time. This actually came on my list of top 20. Ben E. King, Stand By Me, number 67, in 1987. Billy Idol came in with To Be a Lover at 64. And... Uh, Cindy Lauper, Change of Heart at 61. Prince came in with Sign of the Times at number 60. That was a really good song. Michael Jackson, Bad, was number 59 that year. I thought that would be a little higher up in the system, or on, on this list. 
the system, by the way, had a song called Don't Disturb This Groove, which is really, really cool. Came out in 57. Anytime you buy one of those greatest hits from the 80s and you go year by year, you'll find Don't Disturb This Groove on so many of those. Uh, Kenny G actually came in at 55 with Songbird. I heard a rumor about Banana Rama at 53. And uh, remember Suzanne Vega? Luca? My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I'm not going to sing it because I don't get in trouble, but Luca from the 52. Hip to be square, Huey Lewis, 49. Uh, in too deep, Gen uh, Genesis was uh, 47. Um, I just can't stop loving you, Michael Jackson and uh, Sade Garrett. I vaguely remember that, but that came in at 45. And everybody's favorite hot former porn chick, <laughs> Samantha Fox, uh, came in at 44. Touch me, I want your body. Um, I don't know if she was into porn. I know she like did those topless photos all over Europe or something. But one of my favorite songs of the 80s, Prince, You Got the Look, number 38. Uh, let's jump back to 40. Genesis comes in again with Land of Confusion. That was one of the coolest videos ever. Um, so not only was Michael Jackson on this list, Janet Jackson comes in with Control at 37. Um, Aretha Franklin and George Michael, I knew you were waiting for me at 36. To Pal, Heart and Soul. Oh, I love that song. If you haven't heard that or you don't remember it, look it up. And you'll just, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll go back into uh, nostalgia again. The Georgia Satellites had a hit that year, Keep uh, keep Your Hands to Yourself. I remember that. That was all over the radio. Uh, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight, Cutting Crew, 32. Uh, 30 was Open Your Heart, Madonna. I think we all remember that video because she like pretty much opened her wardrobe and showed how little she was wearing. <laughs> she opened her jacket and was wearing yeah, um, uh, some very, it was a very appealing video. Let's just put it that way. Club Nouveau, Lean On Me, number 29. Uh, oh, here was one from, I think this was from The Dirty Dancing. Uh, Bill Medley and Jennifer uh, Warren, uh, Warrens, I've Had the Time of My Life. Yeah, that was from Dirty Dancing. Debbie Gibson, Only in My Dreams at 26. Duran Duran, Notorious. They were still rocking it out in 87. That's good. U2, one of my favorite videos, not videos, but songs of all time. This was also on my top list of greatest of all time. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I came in at 23. And didn't we almost have it all at 22? Whitney Houston, The Lady in Red by Chris DeBerg. Great tune, 21. So let's go back over to the movies real quick. Um, we stopped at Lethal Weapon. At number eight. Now, some of these are the top seven, just like blew my mind. Um, Stakeout, which is also a Walt Disney movie, came in at number seven. I was really surprised because um, some of the ones that we had in the top 25, and then Stakeout is at number seven. I, just, I drew in 65, yeah, 65, over $65 million. Now, one of my favorite movies from 87 and from the 80s, that era anyway, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, the Teen Wolf. He was back. He did Secret of My Success. 
That came out in April of 87. And I remember when they would have soundtracks to these movies. They, they were so good. And I'm sure anybody that's a Gen Xer listening to this, you probably still have some old soundtracks on cassette. I, I would bet a vital organ in storage somewhere, because I know I do. Uh, here's another really great movie. Now, this does, I don't want to say this defines the 80s, because um, it, this movie could fit in anywhere. Paramount Pictures brought out a movie in June of 87 called The Untouchables. And it had Kevin Costner in it. And it was about, um, I guess, the hunt to get Al Capone. You know, and uh, it was the, uh, it was all the cops and the federal agents that were there to uh, investigate and then bust all the, uh, you know, the, the illegal booze. And the Untouchables, it was set in that era in Chicago uh, during Prohibition. But that movie, it, it, I don't think it would matter when that movie was made. It still stands the test of time. It is still an amazing movie. There's still great acting in it. Um, good action, you know, set for that era, that time period. Um, but if you haven't seen The Untouchables, oh, for the love of God, man, what are you waiting for? Um, coming in at number four, this is also a Walt Disney film, but this actually, this actually had a little bit of a creepy backstory in the filming. Three Men and a Baby. Oh, that was a good movie. That took in almost $88 million. But now, that is like, you know, that one came in at number four. The top three when it comes to how much money they grossed, um, by far and away, just, just blew the rest of them away. I mean, it, it wasn't close. Number three was Platoon. Now, that came out in December of 86, but it really got its run at the theaters in 87. And that took in over $129 million. Now, in 87, back, back then, that's a ton of freaking money. That was one of the, the, uh, one of the biggest draws of the 80s, too. I mean, it was, if you go back and look at by the, the 80s by dollar amount, that's still way up there. Again, ladies, let me tell you about the power of your dollars. Um, coming in at number two, released in September of 87 it grossed 137 million 137 550 million dollars that is just absolutely insane 137 million 550,000 fatal attraction now you know why I know you ladies <laughs> made that movie what it is because that movie scared the piss out of every guy that saw it. Yes, it did. Um, yeah, no guy was in a hurry to go watch that movie. So, you know, that just tells you the power, the power of love in 87. Dudes must have really loved their girlfriends and wives to go see that with them. And you know what? I got to thank you for movies like that. Because if it wasn't for you ladies, we wouldn't have cool channels like Investigative Discovery, True Crime Stuff. Serial killer stuff that you ladies are just so into. But thank you. Um, am I going to watch Fatal Attraction? I've seen it. Probably not going to see it again. <laughs> uh, you know, especially because of the bunny scene. God, what a crazy woman she was. However, Fatal Attraction, number two. It's a power of you ladies. All right, coming in at number one. Grossing over $153 million. Almost $154 million. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, you gotta you gotta give Eddie Murphy some love. So he had Raw on the list. 
at 26. And then he comes in with Beverly Hills Cop 2. That was a great film. It was a great follow-up to Beverly Hills Cop. That came out, I think, what, two years? Actually, it may, Beverly Hills Cop might have been an 86 film. I'm going to have to go look that up. Because they didn't waste time making part two. Because part one was a huge, huge success. Um, but yeah, part two was a great movie. Um, I love when they show these things on this to this day. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend a movie to you that has the eighties written all over it, but it, but it's more of a new movie. Uh, it's called, um, was, uh, wow. I'm going to recommend a movie and I totally forgot. It has Charlize Theron in it. And it's, um, I don't want to say Suicide Blonde. What the heck was the name of that movie? I'll find it here in a minute because I'm going to look it up. But it's it's about the 80s, about the fall of the Berlin Wall. And uh, let me punch this in here. Uh, Atomic Blonde. How did I forget that? Oh, there it is, Atomic Blonde. Yeah, that came out in 2017. That is one of my favorite movies. It's based on a book. Uh, the Coldest City, I think, is the name of it. I, I was thinking about getting the book, but I looked at the reviews. People said that book sucked. So I didn't get the book. The movie is freaking phenomenal. And it's about um, spy games between uh, America, the Russians, the Brits are involved, and it takes place between East and West Berlin. And the 80s music in this is freaking incredible. If this movie had a soundtrack to it, if they were still doing soundtracks these days, that would by far be the best soundtrack probably ever. Um, but go check out Atomic Blonde if you're if you're a big 80s fanatic. You'll, you'll love that movie. So let's jump back over to Billboard. Let's see what's in the top 20. Billy Vera and the Beaters at this moment came in at 20. Billy Idol with Moni Moni. That was a fun. I, Billy Idol was fun in the 80s. He had a lot of great hits. Tiffany with I Think We're Alone Now. Uh, 17 was Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with Head to Toe. Jody Watley, Looking for a New Love. I remember when that came out. That was such a good song. With or Without You, U2, comes back in at 15. Atlantic Star with Always. That was a that was a good ballad. Crowded House, Don't Dream It's Over. That's actually one of my one of my favorite songs from the decade, too. If I had to put my own uh, top 20, 80 songs on a compilation list, which I will do, by the way. Wang Chung, everyone have fun tonight. Everybody have fun tonight. Uh, number 12, Lost Lobos with La Bamba. Bon Jovi had to squeeze in there with Living on a Prayer. I don't know why that came in at number 10, but yet Wanted Dead or Alive is stuck further down the list. I would switch those. Wasn't a very big uh, Bon Jovi fan. Bob Seger, on the other hand, I do love. He had Shakedown, and that was actually part of the uh, soundtrack for... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop Part 1. Bruce Hornsby and the Range with The Way It Is came in at number 8. White Snake, Here I Go Again. Say La Vie by Robbie Neville comes in at number 6. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship at 5. Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, comes in at number 4. Gregory Abbott, Shake You Down, that comes in at 3. One of the best songs, obviously one of the best songs of the year, um, Heart, had that song Alone. And when that comes on the radio, even to this day, 
you're a Gen Xer, you turn it up. You know what else you turn up? The number one top song of 1987, The Bangles, Walk Like a Freaking Egyptian. But the word freaking was not in there. Great tunes, man. Um, that was 1987. Tear down this wall. And now we have some interesting lists. Walk Like an Egyptian, the number one song on Billboard. Beverly Hills Cop Part 2, the number one movie of the year. So what are some of your favorites from 87? If you had to do your top 10 list of songs from 87, what makes yours? Leave it in the comments below. Drop me an email, cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com. And I'll read some of them aloud on the next show. Um, I'm going to do some more 80s uh, topics, I think. We've been getting several requests for these. So um, maybe I'll contact some fellow Gen Xers and we'll, we'll set and we'll rap a little bit about the 80s. And maybe even a little bit of the 90s. Eh, you know. It's our world. You're just living in it. Thanks again for listening to the Conzo Chronicles. We'll be back soon with another episode. And uh, until then, folks, I'll see you down the road.